The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. morning welcome in on this thursday february 22nd it's almost christmas no but yesterday walking around in the day in the uh, sunshine i'm like oh yeah almost springtime love it love it love it it was cold a little bit cold this morning a little chilly a little frost on the car as we welcome into the show jason ross chris Verlod, carmichael dave will be back with us on monday Maybe. Yeah, maybe. As he and his family taking a trip to the East Coast. They've moved from New York City. New York City? To Washington, D.C. How many people know what that is a reference to? Uh, Well, wait. Which reference do you think I'm talking about? The Pace Picante (laughs) commercial? (laughs) of course. Uh, I did think of you last night, uh, Chris, because I was watching... um, very rewatchable movie to me. Uh, um, it just was on, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm on it. And so I just was watching for a while, and I almost – I was going to record the scene and then send it to you because this one that you and I do uh, off air, just – it's a random one. But, um, oh, gosh, now I've just forgotten the line, like the lead into it. But um, there's The Wedding Singer. Oh, I thought you were going to say Parenthood. Oh, no. No, that's not on enough for me. I wish it was. It's on eh. Netflix. What's that? It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. I but I mean, Netflix. it was just, I was flipping around the TV and it was, you know, for sticking your nose in other people's faces. Ah, the wedding singer. Enjoyable. Billy Idol. Random Billy Idol on the plane. John Lovitz. Even people of possessions to him. Yeah. He's looking around the plane and. Billy Idol gets it. <laughs> I don't know. Very rewatchable movie. Um,. Julia Gulia. Julia Gulia. Hey, uh, would you mind if I, you know, I've never seen Las Vegas. No, but you can lean over me and look over the wing, you know, when we get to the big city. Because the, the car, elbow, uh, my elbows always get hit by the cart, the drink cart. And then she gets just. Anyway, enjoyed that. Very enjoyable, rewatchable movie. Uh, welcome back into the show here today. We're, it's like a, that's a warm security blanket for me when I get to watch The Wedding Singer, if that's ever on. Um, the Kings are back. Finally. All I want. It's for someone to hold me and say everything's going to be okay. Okay, Everything is going to be okay. That's a, He's a good character. Robbie. I don't remember his last name. Robbie. Nah, I don't have it. But good cameo. Not even cameos. I, I love, though, that fact that... what Do you know the story with Adam Sandler and all those people that are in just about every... Are those I all think they high school buddies? College together. Or college, okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, that's... I mean, so many of those people... He's made wealthy, right? Yeah. I mean, which is cool. In, in a sense, it's like he's given back to people he grew up with or, or connected with. And, 
I mean, they're not the the featured players, but they all seem to have roles if, in these movies. If you ever listen to his old like albums, mm-hmm. his comedy albums, which is an insane thing to say, but like they were all on those albums back in the day with him, or he was talking about. Yeah, them? He was like the different characters, and they were the different. Characters oh, gotcha. And everything like that. Yeah, but I mean, it's there's consistently. Well, Steve Buscemi's in quite a few of his movies, and I think he met him a little bit later, if I'm not mistaken. He was in Wedding Singer. Um, that and so, might have been their first movie together. Yeah, I think so. Was that his first movie? Uh, who? Adam Sandler? No, he did Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore before oh, that. Oh, before that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, because Wedding Singer was probably 90... I'm going to say 98. Okay. I'm going to say 90... Ah, you might be right. Let me see. I'm going to say 90... Uh, I'll go with 96 so we can have a tie if it's 97. But I feel like you're right on that. 1998. Yeah. February 13th, 1998. Oh. We're almost on an anniversary, or we just missed an anniversary. Do you know when uh, Wedding... Not Wedding Singer. Um, Billy Madison and uh, Happy Gilmore were? I'm going to say Billy Madison, 1995, and Happy Gilmore, 1996. Okay. I'll agree with you on those. Billy Madison might have even been 94, actually, now that I think about it. Billy Madison, February 10th, 1995. Uh-huh. Okay. Chris is on a run here. We're going for one more. Can you get the clean sweep? Happy Gilmore, February 16th, 1996. Wow, he's got something about <laughs> movies in February. There's kind of a uh, thought about movies in February. Like, if you miss the... Um, those are like the throwaways. Yeah, the summer smash or the Christmas, like you don't have much of a movie, but those have all kind of become classics, I would say. I mean, for those that like that kind of silly comedy. <laughs> but um, Mighty yeah. Ducks, 1992. Which Mighty Ducks? The original. Okay. Uh, it's, I didn't say D2. No. Or D3. Do, I know you have a order of fast rankings. Fast and the Furious. Do you have an order of Mighty Ducks rankings? Yeah, one, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. Karate Kid. Karate Kid is <laughs> three, one, two. Um, trying to think of anything else you might because Karate Kid with um, um. Oh, Jaden. Uh, J- uh, no, no, no. With the silver. Oh, I forgot to throw in next Karate Kid in there. Okay, that's that's the fourth one. Yeah. Uh, I don't consider the. Yeah. But um. The bad guy in three is one of the greatest villains ever. Oh, really? Yes. Who is it? Uh, I don't know. He's not like a reckoning. Like, all I know him is uh, Tony Silver. Okay. But he's like an insane person trying to destroy a high schooler's life. <laughs> I'm looking him up. Karate Kid 3. Vi- oh, okay. He looks like Terry, Ch- Silver. Terry Silver. Terry Silver. Okay. Looks like a good villain. I mean, not in a good way. Like, he, he would play just it well. showed up in the Cobra Kai Yes. Series, and that just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> um, so that's what I uh, I wouldn't say that was my whole evening by any means, but that came on. I'm like, ah, oh, just just enjoyable. I, uh, th- sometimes there's probably no value in rewatching movies because if you've seen them, you know what the – I don't know, but I just – it's comfortable. Because it's like, oh, this is a part where she leaves him. Yeah. And, oh, this is a part where the little kid calls her a name. And- yeah. <laughs> Just enjoyable, Billy uh, Adam Sandler there on the the wedding singer there, uh, getting kids to dance. I just there's a lot of likable getting paid in meatballs to teach the old lady to sing. Uh, the best man, the better man. 
Uh, good, good stuff. Today, we've got so much show for you today with the Kings being back in action. Here's our guest list for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking sports, business. Good of business. At 730 with Kelly Brothers. At 8 o'clock, Sam Amick from The Athletic. He is going to join us. 830, Sean Cunningham. He will be joining us as well as we look forward to the Last push here for the Sacramento Kings. And at 9, the radio voice of the San Antonio Spurs, Bill Shoning, will talk to us about the Spurs, about Victor Wembanyama, about tonight's matchup. So we've got Let's kick it. all of that coming up. And we are definitely going to kick it with you guys here today. You can reach us on the text line at 916-339-1140. Um, Steve Buscemi was in Billy Madison. Um, oh, that's right. He's the he was the kid that he used to make fun of. Yeah, and then um, was he? It was his first movie, Airheads. Was he in Airheads? Yeah, he was. But he was a small part, wasn't he? Or, yeah. Okay. That but was still, his movie. Okay. Good work, text line. We appreciate that. Nine one six three three nine eleven forty. Those of you checking us out at YouTube uh, on Sacktown Sports, feed your comments there. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, we appreciate. All of that. I uh, Speaking of other things, it was just the other day I'd, I'd heard this comedian say this, and it's so true. I had this on the way coming in for – had a little uh, – grabbed a little bite before I left the house this morning. And if you – Chris, have you ever gotten you – know, of course, you've gotten, like, food somewhere stuck in your teeth, right? Yeah. Some At some more, sometime. The comedian's whole bit is how our tongue can navigate, like, that piece of – if it's a piece of meat, if it's a piece of popcorn, whatever it might be – but the finger to tongue ratio to try to get that out of your it just never matches up. And it was it's a really funny bit. But you just think about that. It's like, man, the amount of time if you just get something stuck in there and it seems like it's the size of a you know, a a giant boulder, and then you take it and it's like just some little tiny little crease. But I had that I had that thought driving in because I had some food stuck in the teeth. Gotta get to gotta get that taken care of. Some people always keep um like one of those floss picks or dental floss or that. I was like, just it's just working. Just try to get it out. Uh, mm, gross. Exactly. Um, and that's another drop I say the, all the time. Yesterday, you put this in my head. Uh, I literally drove here. What do you think I sang when I was leaving the, the place? Leaving what place? Here. Just no. There's no connection to the building, to the show even. It's something you said. You asked me if I ever sing this jingle. <laughs> oh, uh Living places. Spaces. spaces. Yes. I literally, I don't know. I was halfway home and I just went, living spaces. Just made no sense. I don't think people realize working at a radio station, you get all of those. It takes things away from us. Like, yes. We forget things because these these jingles are stuck in our heads yeah. all day. And they just happen randomly. I, I repeat them audibly, just out loud. And I get looks. My wife, a lot of times, sometimes it's worth explaining. Sometimes it's not. She knows that commercial. But I'll I'll say drops from the house. I'll say that mm, gross, and kind of get a look. I'm like, what? <sighs> never mind. And I think it's perfectly delivered. You know, when I say it, I try to say it right at the right time. Like when you play them, and something will happen at the house. Like, hmm, gross. Okay, weirdo. Party of one. I've used that one too. <laughs> I've got issues. I think we all know this. All right, we will get the show started. We've got leading off. We've got Major League Baseball starting today, kind of, with spring training. And, of course, the Kings are back in action at G1C tonight against San Antonio. We've got all that to preview in leading off next. 
Let's do it. Leading off the three top stories in the morning. Huge news. This is very important. Here's cut number one. Fox against Sohan from Sabonis. Drives it, plants, reaches, scores. 41 points tonight. A season high for De'Aaron Fox. 125-118. That was the last time the San Antonio Spurs and the Sacramento Kings played. That was back in November, so it's been a while. Kings won in San Antonio, 129-120. to As uh, the Kings had to do some work in that one to get the win. Uh, that was an in-season tournament game. Remember, the Spurs were in the Kings pool. Uh, Fox had a season-high 43 at the time. Uh, Victor Webinyama scored 27. And uh, the Kings ended up going 2-0 and in in-season tournament uh, group C at that time. Sabonis, 27-14. and 14. Uh, Malik Monk had 20. That was the Kings' fifth straight uh, win at the time uh, to get them to 7-4. and four. The Spurs dropped to 3-9. and nine. So it's been a while since the Sacramento Kings, one, have played a game. It's been a while since the Sacramento Kings have played the San Antonio Spurs. When you look at the schedule, when you look at the standings, when you look at games ahead for the Sacramento Kings, um, this one would fall in line of one of the easier games on paper. Again, obviously, you don't play the games on paper. We all should know this by now. We know the Kings should know this. This is something they've been talking about, trying to establish that consistency. But as far as records go in the West, nobody has a worse record than the Spurs. You're playing them on your home court. You're rested. You should be ready. Now, the same is in place for the Spurs. They're rested and ready. But this is a team that's won uh, just six games on the road, 11 overall, but is more than capable of beating you. You have to have the appropriate amount of respect for your opponent. But when you start looking at what's ahead with the Clippers and then the Miami Heat, you get the Knicks a couple of times. You still go to Boston. You've got the T-Wolves, another game with the Thunder, Nuggets. I mean, just go all the way down the line. The Kings have far more difficult games on paper than the one they have tonight. So I feel like it's an important tone setter. There's a lot of games going on in the Western Conference tonight where teams are playing each other. So obviously someone's going to win. Another team's going to lose. You've got to take advantage of the teams that are going to lose tonight, move in the standings if you can win, and just get this going in the direction that the Kings think they can do. I mean, we heard and played reaction yesterday to Mike Brown, areas of emphasis that they're working on, uh, improved free throw shooting, defending the three, to go with what they've done well. I mean, this it, sometimes we act like this season has been a total train wreck. It really hasn't been. It just hasn't been the as enjoyable, I think, as everybody had it last year, right, where it was the first time through. You were realizing they were definitely going to be a playoff team. Things also played out more in their favor They played their starters and had a healthy lineup for the majority of the season. Other teams were experiencing injuries. Well, this year, the Kings have the same record at this time, find themselves in eighth compared to third, and they're really scuffling to get to that top six. So they're going to be in kind of playoff mode for the last 28 games, which I think can be good when they, if, and when they do get to the playoffs, but they got to get there first. They got to be playing their best basketball in the next month or so. And uh, I'm I'm anxious to see the work to get there. And we'll see what uh, this time off did for them. They all praised it. We all said, hey, look, if there's a positive about your two stars not going to the All-Star game, it's that they could get away from a little bit and uh, get ready for this push. Well, here we are. It starts tonight. And uh, hopefully the proof will be there for the Sacramento Kings and what they're trying to do. And we're going to talk more about that, like we said, with Sam today, but certainly with Sean Cunningham and Bill Shoning, the radio voice of the San Antonio Spurs. All right, let's continue with leading off in cut number two. Cut number two. Oh, oh he got another one. 
shutout. Check. Two homers in the nightcap. Check. I hope people are appreciating Shohei Otani enough. I don't think they are, obviously. I mean, I think right now with baseball's luster dimming amongst many, it's not... um, We should be appreciating what Shohei Otani has been doing as a Marvel way more than we do. He gets attention. It's not like he's shy on attention. But what he's doing, what he was doing as a pitcher and certainly as a hitter is something we've never, ever seen, that combo. Now, he is a Los Angeles Dodger. What is he, the $700 million man? And the Dodgers are saying they want him to play, get about 50 plate appearances, whether that's actually in spring training games or in live BP scenarios. So they're not too worried about it, um, you know, taking full effect and being him, having him being ready for the start of the regular season. But Shohei Otani, the Dodgers, they're in action today as Major League Baseball spring training begins. The Dodgers and Padres are allowed to play first because they're going to be playing the first two games of the baseball season as uh, they're going to be playing overseas uh, to open up the regular season for two games. And Shohei Otani, again, I think uh, probably bothers quite a few people that he went to the Dodgers. But if that uh, allows him to get more attention, even though it's still the L.A. market, but I know that from being down there, it's different. Dodgers and eight, it's just a different beast down there, even though they're separated by about 40 miles. The uh, opportunity for the Dodgers to win a lot. They're the favorite to win the World Series, and they've got a stacked lineup. We won't see Shohei as a pitcher, at least for the uh, first season, most likely, but as he recovers from Tommy John, but he's going to be hitting, and he's going to be hitting well. He's going to be crushing it in that park with that lineup. Man, that lineup's just lethal, and the Dodgers should be very, very good, but what that creates, I think, is either just this incredible must-watch team or everybody on a quest to beat them and hate the Dodgers. Like, you're going to kind of have a a bunch of Dodger fans that already exist, bandwagon fans that want to see if they like baseball at all, like the greatest players play, but then everyone else trying to beat them, like the the evil empire like the Yankees have been for so long. So the Dodgers have created that. They're going to have a great team. Shohei Otani is going to make that team uh, very interesting to watch. Not that they weren't already, but spring training is here, and it starts today. All right, let's get to our third and final cut in leading off. Cut number three. This just in, we might be getting close to entering the Charlie Woods era in golf. The 15-year-old son of Tiger will compete in a pre-qualifying event on Thursday in hopes of securing a place in the PGA Tour's Cognizant Classic next week in Florida. 25 players and ties from each of the four pre-qualifying sites will then play in a Monday qualifier with the top four players earning a spot in next weekend's tournament. Already Rory, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland are in that. Yeah, and so Charlie Woods, son of Tiger Woods, is attempting to qualify today. That first part that you heard, that if he makes it to Monday and gets through all of that, he would then be eligible to play as an amateur in the tournament in over a week. I think that would be truly incredible. I can't imagine, Chris, I was thinking about this yesterday when thinking about Charlie Woods. I guess Charlie Woods would join Bronny James, um, Michael Jordan's kids, I mean, when you have someone so iconic in a sport and your child also plays the same sport, there can't be any more pressure. No. I get like it's almost better to be bad, I think, 
instead of like kind of good. Like he's obviously very good. Very good. Very good. But like if he doesn't have five majors in his first ten years, yeah. Then oh. And is he even gonna get there? Like he might, he might, maybe he's better than it. I mean, you just you don't even know. You just gotta let it play out. But that's I just but even too, like Tiger had a lot of pressure on him coming into the yeah because of the hype and, and yeah. he lived up to it obviously. Um, there's there's doors and things that are going to open for you for I wouldn't even say the wrong reasons, but your name and who your father or mother in this case if you're the uh, an offspring of a famous athlete. But the pressures that you have there, and then you think about successful father son or mother daughter combinations, father daughter whatever it might be, it's um. It's awesome to watch, but I, I wonder how that dynamic is. I mean, not everybody has that. If you're kind of, and especially when it's an individual sport, like if it's a team sport, like we just saw Patrick Mahomes win the Super Bowl, his dad, Pat Mahomes, was a major league baseball player. We're talking about two different sports. The comp I think isn't it's this. better when your parent was like a mediocre yeah. athlete. <laughs> and it's probably better for the parent, too. Like, okay, look, I made it. This is what I did. You, you knew the life. Like I grew up in it. Or more like Del Curry, who was really good. Del Curry was good. But Steph is an iconic legend, and Seth is good. But that family, wildly successful. But, you you know, those Seth and Steph grew up watching their dad play. They kind of understood the NBA life. And then, boom, they take over and just have um, amazing – well, specifically, Steph has amazing careers. But when it's an individual, like if you're the, you know, the offspring of Simone Biles, of Michael Phelps, and you try to go into swimming or gymnastics, or in this case, an individual sport like Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods um, – I think it's a fun story to follow. I think if he makes it, it's incredible to be playing in a PGA Tour event at 15. 15, that's ridiculous. Didn't Tiger do that? Yeah, probably. No, I think he would be a little bit younger than him is what okay. I read the story. But, yeah, basically. I think Tiger might have been 16. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger was a little slow. My gosh. Unbelievable. Good for Charlie Woods. I'll be rooting for him. I think it's a fun story as uh, that gets started today in his attempt to qualify for the PGA event next week. All right, as we said, Major League Baseball spring training is beginning today with the Padres and the Dodgers. We always do this with the NBA and the NFL when they kind of come out with their preseason top 100 list. Will MLB.com release its top 100 players? Are there any Oakland A's on it? Are there any Giants on it? And who is number one? We answer those questions when we come back on Sacktown Sports. Text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. Back here on the show, Jason Ross here with you. Christopher Lott as well. Carmichael Dave is off until next week when he'll be back with us in studio. As uh, we've got guests galore coming your way today. Kelly Brothers coming up at 730 talk sports business also sean cunningham at good 8, business 8 30 sam amick at eight bill Shoning, voice of the san antonio spurs he is scheduled to join us at uh, nine o'clock to help preview, i'm freaking jacked to help preview kings and spurs is he jacked or just we are jacked all of us are jacked everybody's getting jacked around here 
Chris gives me the look. I have been spending this last segment here, Chris, this entire break, trying to find a stinking highlight of uh, a specific player, and I just can't find it. But that's all right. I'm hoping to find it in time in this segment because this guy had an awesome year in baseball, and seemingly now I'm looking up for him and can't find him, but I will. I'm going to be on this quest until I finally find a highlight from this player to help fulfill the uh, story we're going to be talking about here because the Major League Baseball season begins today with spring training. At least it starts with the Dodgers. And the San Diego Padres. These two teams will be playing the first game of the first two games of the regular season. And they're getting an opportunity to open up spring training today. Uh, just yesterday, I ran into somebody that's making a uh, one of my neighbors is going to be making a spring training trip. Uh, didn't realize they do that every year. Make go down there and just bring some buddies and have a good time. Um, this is something that I think it's a good time for a good time of year to get away. Obviously, weather down in Arizona should be better. People generally make this like a golfing weekend as well, and I get that uh, if you make that trip down there. And why not? Enjoy the all the opportunities and all the things that it can present for you because I think spring training, if you've never been, uh, it is enjoyable. Carmichael, Dave, and I have been down there a couple times to uh, help bring in the season. And look, I enjoy it. I think it's a good time. You watch baseball. You're, you're, some of the guys you're getting to watch, if you uh, kind of follow it, it's nice to see some people at the beginning stages of their career. You can say, Hey, I remember seeing that guy the first time. Wasn't sure he was going to become what he became. And then certainly you're going there to watch the people that you do know and appreciate and see what uh, ultimately uh, your team season can be. So with that said, wanted to look at major league baseball and MLB.com and the MLB network put together their top 100 list of the best players in baseball going into this calendar season. And this changes much like every other list. Um, in sports each year because it's based on basically the year you had before and what the projections are for your year this season. And, you know, I think you could figure out who the typical names would be near the top. But one of the things that took uh, my caught my attention was the fact that there's still a few people on the top 100 list that are free agents. And that to me is a problem with baseball. Like if we were in the basketball season, anybody in the top 100 that was a free agent I can't think of an exception. I mean, is scooped up and gone. Like day one of free agency, usually people are gone. Day two, the next big name. I mean, you might have a, a little bit of a weight on a few people, but uh, for example, former Oakland A, Matt Chapman, former Toronto Blue Jay, he's still a free agent. Um, Tony uh, Blake Snell, who's one of the good free agents in pitching. There's rumors for him on a lot of teams. He's still a free agent. I believe Cody Bellinger is still a free agent. These guys are all on the top 100 list, and that just doesn't seem right, that you could have players of that quality, um, you know, be looking and still looking for a home. And that just seems bizarre at this point, but that's the way baseball is right now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I would say it's a bad thing for the sport. But let's go over the list and tell you what we see here from whether or not the questions we asked at the break, are there any Oakland A's on this list? The answer is no in the top 100, which I think was predictable to know that there wouldn't be an Oakland A, but there are former Oakland A's all over this list, and I just mentioned one right there in the fact that we don't see um, Matt Chapman on a team. So if we work our way from bottom to top, top 100, the 100th player, we're not going to do all in 100, is a phenom that I was infatuated with last year, was Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds. You move your way up through the top 100, um, 
we're going to see, let's see around, let's pick a random number here. Let's go to 72, Christian Yelich, who used to rank really high in MLB baseball, but is down around the 70s. There is only one member of the San Francisco Giants, and it is noted Sacramento Kings fan, Logan Webb, who comes in at 42. Last year's rank was 97. So the Giants ace, and right above him, former Giants pitcher Kevin Gaussman is at 41. So we start getting into the top 20 of Major League Baseball, according to MLB.com top players. Bobby Witt, who got the big contract, paid handsomely. For the Kansas City Royals, Adley Rutschman, catcher for the Orioles. We're at 18. Corbin Carroll had an incredible rookie season a year ago. Spencer Strider, the A's, excuse me, the Braves ace. 17. Trey Turner of the Phillies. Austin Riley of the Braves. Jose Ramirez. There he is. Matt Olson at 13, former Oakland 8. Mike Trout is number 12. Some still consider him one of the best, if not the best player in baseball, but they have dropped it to 12. Bryce Harper is number 11. And here's your top 10, according to MLB.com and Major League Baseball. And here's where I think the sport is in good shape. you got some young players and some familiar faces in the top 10. Julio Rodriguez, center fielder of the Mariners, they put at 10. Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole is at 9. Jordan Alvarez is number 8, according to MLB.com. Juan Soto, the new member of the New York Yankees, who was ranked 12th last year, is now number 7th. He'll play right field for the Yankees. Corey Seager who had an incredible postseason and really has for the World Series champion Rangers. He is at six. Freddie Freeman, the Dodgers' first baseman at five. Number four, dropping from number one, Shohei Otani. All the way from number one. Yeah. They drop him to number four. Why wouldn't Shohei Otani still be number one? Because he can't pitch. Because he can't pitch. Now he's just a boring old regular hitter. Mm-hmm. That's all he do, does. Ten years, $700 million to hit. Um, Let's see. He drops to four. Number three, let's pay him some respect and all rise. And the pitch swung on and hit in the air to deep center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam to dead center. By Aaron Judge. Yes, Aaron Judge is number three. I know there was some news about Aaron Judge yesterday when he last year he got hurt in that game at Dodger Stadium smashed his toe into that fence and that concrete lower portion of the wall there at Dodger Stadium, says his toe is going to need constant care for the rest of his career. That ligament, that's not good uh, because he's got many, many years left on that big contract. Number two, Mookie Betts. Hey, he was a former Red Sox. There was a guy you could have, you had once, Chris, for your team. Mookie Betts at number two. And number one on Major League Baseball's top 100 list, this guy. One-two pitch on the way. There's a fly ball to deep right field. Going back to the wall, Suzuki rattled into attack mode. It's a two-run homer. From Ronald Acuna Jr. Acuna Jr. has been listed as the number one player in baseball last year. He's ranked number 25. Last year, just an amazing year on his MVP year. Uh, Hit that 40 and 70 mark, the 40-70 club. 40-plus homers, 73, I believe, stolen bases. And stolen bases were back in a bit last year. I don't know if that's for everybody on the years where now we have homer or nothing, launch angle and all that. Feels like it's it's a little bit of a transformation. We're finding a few more speedsters in baseball too. So I'm anxious to see if there's a little bit of a slow transformation, not in small ball, but because people still want home runs. But maybe a a few more um, guys swiping bags, which I think will be good for the sport. I think get things in motion, get some activity get people interested, people chase records. I don't know if anyone's going to catch Ricky Henderson, but 
why not go for it? Because that's a pretty prestigious mark. All right, so we thought we'd take a look with Major League Baseball spring training beginning today with the Padres and Dodgers. But again, uh, no A's on that top 100 list. We did see um, Logan Webb in the top 50 uh, from the top 100 and your top five again in Major League Baseball, according to MLB.com, Freddie Freeman, five, Shohei Otani, four, Aaron Judge, three, Mookie Betts, two, and Ronald Acuna Jr., number one. All right, the Kings are going to be back in action tonight. There's some question marks a little bit. I know Fox was listed as questionable. DeMontis Sabonis mispracticed with an illness. Let's hope he's able to go. We got some audio from Kings practice yesterday. We'll hear from Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, Coach Mike Brown. We'll do all that as the Kings continue to discuss what was good for this team on the break and what other things we can expect going forward. We've got all that coming up here on Sacktown Sports. with the best in local sports. They just make it interesting, you know? It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. It's so good to have the Kings back in action tonight. If you're making your way out to Golden One Center tonight to watch the Kings, certainly the game can be heard. All the games right here on Sacktown Sports will be there for the pregame, halftime, postgame. I think I'm doing, I'm not, I think I know I'm doing game night as well. So busy night ahead. But glad they're back. I think everybody's ready to cleanse their palate from the All-Star game. I will uh, want to talk to Sam at 8, kind of get his opinion on that. And and really where I think we're going for this last portion of the NBA season, I mean, uh, the playoff races are good. The MVP race is going to be good. I, I think we're set for a really good finish to the NBA's regular season. I think the beginning started well with the in-season tournament. That was successful. We certainly would hit, I would say, a major roadblock with the All-Star weekend. But now they can finish strong and then get to the best part of the NBA, the postseason. That's where the Kings are are hoping to get. And yesterday was day two of the group back together again. And the one thing, you know, from some of the audio we played yesterday, and Chris pointed this out to me today because he was cutting up some of this stuff from yesterday's practice. But we had the guys that spoke the day before, and we were talking with, uh, who did we hear from, uh, Fox, and Keegan and Coach Brown, even Keegan, though, said it. Like, everybody was kind of excited to for the break. And almost too much of a point of emphasis. Like, we know, Chris, like, reportedly, not even reportedly, like, they all openly say how well they get along, how great a culture, and how much they enjoy each other. But universally, everyone's like, yeah, it was good to get away. Wasn't that we, kind of we weird? We were around each other too long. Yeah. It's like, we just had two really long road trips, so it was good to get away. Like, yeah, we needed to get away. Okay. I thought I think it was good. And, and I'm, I'm poking fun, but I think it is good. Uh, let's hear a little bit more on that, kind of kind of that theme from the guys that spoke yesterday. First, let's hear from Malik Monk kind of addressing that same thing we were just talking about. Um, give us a break from each other. <laughs> we're happy to be here. Um, I think we got tired tired of each other because um, we had a long – we had a few long road trips um, this past, past couple months, and – I think this break helped us out to um, come back together, and I think we're going to finish strong with these 28 games. Yeah, I think anytime there's a finite ending to something, you're kind of, you know, it, it kind of resets you anyway. So it's like, hey, this is the end of the school year. Oh, I enjoyed being in these with my friends, and then, oh, but it's good to get away, then you can't wait to get back. 
well, it's the end of, you know, if you have a long break from work, ah, it was good to get away, but actually I enjoyed coming back. Or the vacation, you hear this a lot. Oh, man, it was so good to be on vacation. But near the end, yeah, I'm kind of ready to come home. That's kind of the the feeling and the the what you're hearing from the Kings. I think they enjoyed each other. I think they knew the break was coming. It wasn't like it was a, a surprise. So it was nice to get away, to be a sense, I wouldn't even say normalcy, because normalcy is really their routine that they have with their team. But the break was was a tweak, was something different for them. And now they're all back together again, chasing one goal. Let's hear more from Harrison Barnes on that, kind of what he felt the break did for him and for the team. It was good. It was a great chance to kind of kind of get away, reset, um, and refresh. But you know, we, this, we know this last stretch is going to be important for us to to come out, play hard, and uh, get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, that's it. And I love that you know the thought. They're all saying get ready for the playoffs. They still have to get there. They still have to earn that. And that's something I I mean I learned this one very early on. I knew uh, when I first got started, the Kings were not a playoff team. The first year that I worked here, then the second year they made it, and then they had another drought of several years in a row. Um, but during that eight-year run with the Kings and Rick Adelman when they were making the playoffs all the time and uh, for about three or four of those years where they were truly one of the best teams in championship-caliber team, we know they didn't win, but they were kind of playing in that stratosphere. And one of the years, I remember even thinking, Rick Adelman's the opening of the season, or and he was like, well, the first goal is we just got to get to the playoffs. And I'm thinking, Coach, you guys could just roll the ball out there. You are making the playoffs, but he's right. You've got to go through the process of the 82-game grind and handling injuries and handling other teams and what other teams do to attempt to beat you. And, you know, some years were easier. Some years were more difficult. We're finding out this year the same group that's back, some guys are better and and growing and, and improving, but it just hasn't landed the exact same way as the 21-22 Kings. Or the 22-23 Kings. Now we're figuring out the 23-24. It's a good team. Had some wild inconsistency. The West, top part of the West, has been better. And that's why from the same record at this time, they're eighth instead of third a year ago. But they can really move quickly here because the standing separation is pretty small. One other thing I wanted to play, at least in this segment, and I think it's, it's something worth talking about, that sometimes when you and I'm guilty of this, when we all share opinions on these guys. So when you do this on a day-to-day basis, like tomorrow we'll be back, we'll evaluate tonight's game, and we'll have an opinion one or the other of how they came out of the break, who played well, lump it together in kind of a season mold of of opinions on this team. And, you know, if Fox and Sabonis play, because, again, they're both, there's some, some concern with them. I think Fox will definitely play. Sabonis, it was an illness yesterday, missing practice. But... If they both play and they both play well, I think a lot of the logic will go see the break did them wonders. I mean, Sabonis is just in a major groove anyway. I don't know that he needed the break. But those are kind of some easy landing spots for opinions on these guys. But when you're looking at a guy like Keegan Murray, we said, man, Keegan is given the toughest defensive assignment most every night. And then we'll see nights where Keegan, like, this year where he had the 47-point game out of nowhere. He's had 30-point games, solid 20-point games. He's had some double-doubles, and he's had his share of games, though, in single digits, whether it's been foul trouble or poor shooting or um, just not the same consistency that we're looking for. But I think when we put all that out there, that's how we evaluate him because that's what we're seeing. We're, we're trying to make you know these grand statements about players as they're continuing to develop. I think Mike Brown had a really interesting point yesterday that I want you guys to hear 
about Keegan Murray. Keegan's grown in a lot of areas, and you know, I say this all the time. Uh, I don't know if there's a second-year player that probably has more pressure on them than, than he does. You know, uh, we're a playoff team. Uh, nine times out of ten, he's taken the best perimeter offensive player for the other team, so we're asking him to defend at a high level in your second year. We're asking him to shoot the three. We're asking him to go get uh, buckets from the first and second level. Uh, we're asking him to rebound, not just defensive rebound, but offensive rebound, and and uh, the pressure's there for him to do it on every play while uh, understanding that we're a playoff team. And again, if you look at the guys drafting around him, I'm not sure if any of them have been in the playoffs yet uh, let alone have the pressure of the things that I just mentioned that, 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 that Keegan has. So uh, he's grown in a lot of different areas, not just one specific area. And I'll, you know, I, in my opinion, he's just going to continue to get better, which is a benefit for, for this organization and the city. He's so right on what he's being asked to do this early in his career. And if you do look at the people around him that have been drafted – uh, drafted higher than him, if you look at that group, of Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. Holmgren's going to get, likely, his first taste of the postseason. And Paolo Bencaro, same situation. Um, Keegan, though, was a starter on a playoff team in his rookie season. A starter. And asked to be a very important piece to the in the Golden State Warriors series. Comes back this year. Now is guarding people from LeBron to Kevin Durant to... Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, he's guarding the opposing team's best player. And that's not being asked of a lot of these other guys, of Jaden Ivey, of Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Johnny Davis, working your way down the line, uh, Benedict Matherin, all important pieces to some of these teams. But Keegan Murray has really been asked to do a lot for a very good team at the beginning of his career. And it's he's fit in so amazingly well uh, by all appearances seems to be as low maintenance as it gets you plug you play him you ask him to do something he'll do it now whether he executes as far as um, shooting the ball well or always defending his man you know with expertise he's going to attempt to do it and he's going to do it without creating much of a fuss that's for sure and I think what the ask for Keegan is is a lot and I think sometimes we need to remember that, but that doesn't mean because um, he's still early in his career and not a lot of other people are put in this spot. The reason he's put in the spot is because the coaching staff think he can do it. That's the other part. I mean, they're they're out there to win games. They're out there to put their players in their best positions. And so, yeah, who else do you want to put? Now that we're seeing the results, I want Keegan Murray guarding the best player on the opposing team. When they play the Clippers on Sunday, for example – I mean, he can't guard everybody, but he's going to get some run at Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden. I mean, that's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. I don't know if tonight if he's going to guard Victor Weminyama at all. Maybe. I'm not sure. But the fact that he's capable of doing that, guarding a lot of different positions, while also scoring an effective amount of points to help the team win. I'm really excited where Keegan's career is going. And... He did have a significant jump from season one to season two, and people wanted that. It's been more defensively, but there are nights where, I mean, he's looked like he could be a leading scorer on the team, and he has been at times. I mean, that 47-point night was so special. 
And I loved that it was home, at home, and everybody got tired at home going, Murray, all the times they had to say Keegan first. Um, I'm anxious to see where his career is going to continue to go. All right, more reaction, though, from the Kings in practice yesterday, more from Barnes, more from Monk, more from Coach Brown, on kind of what's next, the rest of the way for the Sacramento Kings. We know it. Here's 28 to go. Not necessarily a numbers target of what they need to do for the rest of the way as far as win total, but just kind of the players and coaches' thought process and some tweaks they've made to help get them there. We'll explain next on Sacktown Sports.